Isn't it cool? They're like, God does stuff like that. They're like trees, like these ginormous things that are like everywhere, especially in Alabama. Um, they, they, come from, they come from seeds. They come from like such a small source, but yet they become such like a big thing, like that you can't get around, like, or you can like do cool stuff with, I guess. I don't know. But like, I just, I just find that fascinating. Um, tonight, we're going to be looking uh, at a time that Jesus talks about <coughs> uh, something that, ha- that starts small, but has a huge impact in the same way that starts, and he compares it to a seed. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, if you want to jump in your app or on your real Bible, if you want, uh, and that kind of thing. Matthew chapter 13. Last week, we talked about um, the parable of the sower, which is at the beginning uh, of this passage, in this, uh, of this chapter. And in this, this whole chapter, Jesus uses these things called parables. He uses a bunch of them to say different things. So parable is just, it's either uh, a short story or it's just some uh, short analogy that points out a spiritual truth. Does that make sense? So it, it's something that means something deeper. And so he's, he's done this several times, and he continues here uh, in 13, uh, verse 31. 13, 1, or 31, excuse me, 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is, the largest, uh, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests on its branches. Or bird on a perch, right? Everybody runs. Um, and then he, he goes in verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was leavened. So both of these parables are about how God's kingdom how God's kingdom specifically, like what he's directly talking about here is God's kingdom growing in the world around it. But he uses, they're really similar, something small causing growth, but they're actually slightly different. And we're going to walk our way through that. But ultimately, he's talking about how the gospel and how the word of God change lives and impact you and I and impact the world at large. And so the first thing he talks about here is this mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in the field. It is the smallest of all seeds. Now, Jesus is not making like a declarative, like scientific statement that it's like the smallest seed that ever has existed or ever will exist because it's just not, it's just not true. Like there are smaller seeds than like that of a mustard seed. I, I don't have any right to show you. Uh, but what Jesus is doing here, he always puts stuff in the context of his listeners. And so in Jesus' day, in an average garden, the seed, the, the seed of a mustard tree which was found in, in gardens uh, in his day, was the smallest seed that was planted. It was, it's, he, he's not really saying, like, it's the smallest seed of all time. People like to, like, poke holes in different things that, that Jesus said. He's not, like, making some kind of, like, statement about that sort of thing. But, like, any of you, like, your parents, like, garden? Do any of you, like, garden at all? Raise your hand. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit? Different things? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm super nerdy about gardening. Um, I've got, like, her husband is, too, Garrett. We're, we're BFFs. We do kind of the same things. But uh, uh, we, we're both, like, super nerdy about uh, gardens. So I've got, like, these, these like, raised beds, if you even know what that means. Like, it's cool. If you don't, it, you probably shouldn't. It's fine. Um, and I've, I've got, like, this whole, like, system where, like, 
waterfall, like when the rain comes on my shed, it like goes in these gutters and then it like funnels down these pipes into this like container that then waters my garden. It's like, I'm full nerdy about this stuff, okay? Um, but in like, in my garden, I don't like grow trees, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, I don't know, unless you are into like orchards and stuff, you don't really grow trees, I guess. But like in today's average garden, you have just like foods that we eat, right? Like zucchini squash you guys probably don't eat that yet but it's good you will one day um and then like corn and like bell peppers jalapenos i could go on anyway all these kinds of things so to give you a little bit of context okay so uh even in that realm which is funny just corn and green beans so like the corn it's just a little kernels like on corn right like you you kind of understand how like what size those are and then, like, corn stalks can, like, they grow, like, real tall, right? They're not necessarily, like, huge, but they get, like, real, they get, like, real tall, right? But then, like, my green bean beans are, like, twice the size of the corn seed, but then they only get, like, 12 inches tall. They're just, like, a little bush. It's just, does that make, does that make sense? So that's, that's what Jesus is pointing out here is, like, the, the mustard tree seed is the smallest seed that's planted in a normal garden, but yet it actually, it actually produces, like, the largest thing that would grow in a garden. Like these trees would grow to be 10 or 12 feet tall. They were pretty, pretty big. They're not like oak trees or like redwoods or anything crazy, but in just like somebody's garden in, in like this day, it'd be like wheat and barley and things like that. Right. And some olive trees, fig trees, that kind of stuff. But like he's, the thing he's trying to point out here really is that something so small can grow to be something substantial. It can, be, it can grow to be something huge and actually impactful. And what he's, the deeper meaning here, what he's really saying is that the, this is the external impact of the gospel. This is, this is the gospel of Jesus growing the kingdom of God. So it's, it all started with Jesus, right? He came, he's just one man. Happens to also be God, but he's just one man, right? And he brings rescue. He, he's the sacrifice that allows for the forgiveness of sins for people to be brought into relationship with God. This gospel starts with his 12 disciples, 12 just normal, normal dudes. And then from there, they go and share the gospel. And like, after, I mean, just after a few days when they really start to, to share the gospel, there's this one time... Uh, when Peter is sharing the gospel and like 3,000 people become Christians. They all uh, accept this free gift of salvation and they become Christians. And so rapidly, what started with one man and went to 12 is now thousands. And in, in our day, now uh, several centuries, you know, a millennia uh, or two removed from Jesus, there have been millions of people affected by the gospel. This is what Jesus is saying before he even actually died on the cross. He was saying the kingdom of heaven, which is on its way to come in, which is believers in the world sharing the love of God, the kingdom of God, starts so small. Starts with the gospel. And then from there, becomes this huge, worldwide, impactful thing. But Jesus is also talking about the impact his followers have on the world. Those, those of you and I who follow Jesus, who have have chosen to put our faith in Jesus, the impact that we can have in the world is what he's talking about here as well. If you allow God's word to change your life and let it lead you, lead you 
to a life of true purpose, like to really live as he's called us to live, which is to show love to the world and share the gospel with anybody and everybody who will give us opportunity to do so, um, we can make huge impacts in your school, on your sports teams, whatever it is, whatever you're involved in, the people you're around, you can have a huge impact uh, on them. You are a part of something bigger than yourself when you sign up to follow Jesus, which means you can do like crazy stuff that you can never do on your own. You're a part of something that truly matters, like something that, that like actually matters. It's not like some weird club that does like board games or something like that just doesn't matter. It's fun, but it doesn't matter, right? Like, but being a part of the kingdom of God, being a follower of Jesus actually makes an impact on the world and it truly matters. But how many of us, like if you're, if you're honest with yourself, this is like, a, this is a tough question. You ready? It is really tough for me. So how many of us actually are allowing the word of God to change our lives regularly? I mean, like really studying it in a way that you're applying it to your life and you're making changes in your life because of what the Bible says. Those of us who are following Jesus, if you're not, if you're not a Christian, then you probably wouldn't be doing this. If you, if you are, that's cool. You'll probably be a Christian soon. That's fine. Um, we want you to. We want you to, to know this Jesus. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. But Christians, are you, are you living a life that is constantly being changed by the word of God. By the word of God. Often we care, we care about what people think about us, the people around us. Like we care what they think about us more than what we care, or more than what we care the Bible says. Like we care a lot more about what people around us think than what the Bible says. I get it. I was there. Like when I was your age, I, I still struggle with people pleasing. Like I don't want people to be mad at me. I just don't. Like it, the, I fall asleep real easily at night and really quickly. Like my wife gets mad at me all the time. We'll be in like mid conversation and I'm snoring. Like it's not because she's boring. Like if I lay down, like I'm just out. But one thing that keeps me up at night sometimes is if I know somebody's like not happy with me or we disagree on something. And so I, I struggle with that. So I get it. You also don't really want to be like the social outcast. You don't want to be like, even though you know that person's like a mean girl or something, you still just don't want them to like be mean to you. Like nobody really wants that, right? Nobody really wants that. But listen, the more and more you allow the, the word of God to change your life and your life be lived for the things that it says more than the things that those people say, the less that stuff matters. The harsh words still hurt, but they don't change your life like they do now. Your day-to-day isn't affected as much by the things people around you do or say or any of that kind of stuff because you, it, the more you allow God's word to change your life, and we'll get into this a little bit more uh, later, the more all of the stuff in this world ten, just fades, fades away. Um, you see, spending our energy getting people to like us or just simply not be, like, mean to us is a, is a wasted life. Like, if, if all we do in life is try to make sure that people aren't mad at us or aren't mean to us, then we've, then we've just wasted our life. All you're doing is living for other people to like you. And that just, that doesn't sound fun, right? Like, you're just constantly 
waiting for something bad to happen and try to like curb it. That's just that's not good. But don't don't we want to be don't we want to have lives? <clears throat> excuse me, I'm gonna die up here. Uh, don't we want to have lives that matter? Like this means yes, right? Don't you? I mean, you may not have thought about this, but like if you really think about your life, you don't want to just exist and then not exist. That sounds really lame, right? Like you want to have a life that matters. You want to have a life that has purpose. We're all created to, to, have a, to want purpose. Like God literally created us to be in relationship with him, which is the ultimate purpose in life, which is to be in relationship with him, to show his love to the world around us. Sin and evil can, consistently tries to pull us away from God's truth and pull us into lies that hold us down and keep us um, from growing um, like we're supposed to. But how do, we, how do we do that? How does that, where do we even start with something like that? Well, if you go a couple pages over to chapter 17, Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus uses this mustard seed thing again, and he says this, Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, he was referring to the disciples asking a question why they couldn't do something. He said, your faith is too, too little. But then he goes on, which is interesting. He says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will, see, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You see, he was saying to the disciples, like, hey, your faith, your faith is so small. It's smaller than the seed of a mustard tree. But if you would just allow your faith to even be just, I mean, just as big as a mustard seed, you could see incredible, impossible things done in your life and in the lives of the people around you is what Jesus is saying. So uh, I, I like Africa. I tried a long time ago not to like Africa because when I was in college, like everybody was all about like, let's save Africa, right? Uh, and so there's something in me that always wants to like push against what everybody else does. It's wrong. It's wrong. I know I shouldn't do that or whatever. But um, I went to, I've been to Africa several times. Here's, uh, there are lots of like animals in Africa, right? Kind of like there is here. Uh, some are cool. Some are not. Um, here's, a, here's a picture I took of, you may not be able to see it because the lights are crazy or whatever. This is called an impala, right? An African impala. You see there's a female there, around in there. And in the middle, that's a male. It's got like the horns. It's cool, whatever. Mostly, they're kind of lame animals. But the one cool thing that they can actually do is they can jump like 10 feet high and, and like leap 30 feet forward. Like they can make these like crazy, crazy jumps. But here's the interesting thing that uh, scientists have found out. When you put them in like a zoo, you put them in like an enclosure, you only, you only have to make the wall like three feet high and they won't get out. They can jump 10 feet in the air and 30 feet forward, but they will not get out if you have a wall that's three feet high because they will not jump unless they can see where they're landing. They just won't. It's, it's in like how they're, they were created. They can make these like crazy jumps but they just won't do it unless they can see where they're landing. You see, in our, in our lives, we make the same mistake over and over again, where we, we want to have it figured out. And, and I get it, like every, every fiber in our being says, like, hey, you shouldn't do that thing because you don't know how it's going to turn out. The faith that Jesus is talking about is not doing stuff that you know what the end result is because that's not faith at all. If you know how something's going to turn out, 
If you wait till you figure out how something's going to be before you ever do it, that's not faith at all. That's just education, right? Like that's just, that's just making calculated steps. Faith, you see, faith is the ability to trust what you can't see. And with faith, we're freed from the three-foot walls that we can easily jump over because it doesn't matter what's on the other side because if you're, if you're living your life for Jesus and you're truly living a life that's consistently changed by the word of God, you know that whatever risk that you're called to do, whatever leap you're called to make, God knows what's on the other side and you don't have to. God knows what's on the other side and you don't have to. Cool. See, Jesus says that even with little faith, we can do impossible like crazy stuff for him. We can have huge impact on the world around us, but it's got to be faith, not calculated steps. Do you see the difference? And that sounds scary, and fear likes to hold us back. Fear is what builds those walls around us and tries to keep us held back. But whenever we're, when we're truly living for Jesus and living this life of faith, and stepping out and being willing to take the risk. That's whenever, that's whenever we can do crazy cool stuff for Jesus. And he goes on, and we're back over in 13. You don't actually have to turn there. Back over in 13, and he goes on, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was leaven. This is, this is a similar thing. He's, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he's talking about something small that has an impact. But this is different. So like the seed... It itself turns into something bigger. It itself, the gospel, turns into something bigger. It, the, the followers of Jesus make other disciples who make more followers of, of Jesus, and it just and it itself grows, right? I don't really, I don't make bread. Anybody ever here in here ever made bread? Yeah, you ever make bread? I don't, I don't know like all the things about making bread, so I'm not going to claim to like be a scientist or anything. But here's the 11. Um, I do know it's the, it's the change agent. It's what causes, when you add it to dough, it's what causes it to rise, what causes it to get bigger, right? And then actually to be able to, to cook it to make like bread like we know, right? And so it's actually, a live, it's actually single-celled living organisms. Like the leaven you add to bread, it's living. But it's actually this, this living thing that causes, whoa, cool, phones can make that sound that's terrifying, all right, <clears throat> cool, I was like, there's a cop in here, it's going to get me, I don't know, I didn't do anything bad today, but it may have been yesterday, who knows, right, who knows, he's like, what, you did something, right, I don't know, man, my lawyer has to be present before I talk, um, <laughs> all right, everybody in, everybody in. Where was that? Okay, leaven and bread. So it's actually the change agent. Here's the thing: if you leave if you leave the leaven like on the counter, but you don't actually put it in the dough, it doesn't doesn't do anything. It just doesn't do anything. That makes sense, right? You actually have to take the leaven. You actually have to put it in the dough, and then. It causes a reaction. You, get, you guys ever done the, the uh, science project, scientific project where you like make the like fake volcano and do like the chemical reaction and it like erupts or whatever, right? You ever done that? 
So that's also a chemical reaction, like putting leaven in bread. It's cool if you've done that. You don't have to talk about it to your neighbor. You can talk about it later. It's cool. Shh. See, like, that's an immediate reaction. So you put those chemicals in there, and they instantly react, and they do the thing, right? That's not the type of reaction that this is. This leaven, when it's put in the dough, you actually have to let it sit for hours. A lot of times, like, overnight before it's actually had its full effect. You see, I think a lot of times we get discouraged in the Christian life because we, we want, like, things to change now. We're like, okay, I, after beach breakaway or fall retreat or, like, a good greenhouse or whatever, JJ finally said something was worth hearing, and, like, all right, Jesus, I want things to change now. And then, like, the next day, everything's still kind of the same. Everything's still kind of the same. That's, that's sort of discouraging, right? You see, the leaven here is really the word of God. When we add it to our lives consistently and daily, over time, growth and change happens in our life. This is not like the volcano where there's just immediate change. Now, sometimes there's something that you can, you can do immediately in this moment, but you're not made perfect at any, at any given moment by any of this. But the more consistently we take the word of God and allow it to change our lives, the more it has its effect in the long run. You see, you know, I was talking earlier about this, uh, this leaven is, is like a living organism. In Hebrews, you don't have to turn there. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, God's word is living and active. God's word is living and active. That doesn't mean that it's like alive, like the like crazy stuff on Harry Potter or whatever. Like that's not what this is talking about. This is just saying that the words in here can change your life if you let them. If you leave the leaven on the counter and don't ever put it to the dough, it doesn't make any change. If you leave the Bible sitting on your shelf in your backpack and you never actually open it, you never actually read it, you never actually try to apply it to your life, it will never have an effect. It will never have change. And your faith and your relationship with Jesus will just never grow. It just won't. I know that firsthand because whenever I was in, slap the microphone, right? Because when I was in junior high and high school, I was a Christian. I was trying, but most often I carried my Bible. Like I literally was like one of those guys. I had like, I think I may have had like one of those cheesy covers of a Bible that said like, I'm in the Lord's army. You know, like I was like super nerdy. It's fine. I was in the band. Um, <laughs> it's cool. I also played soccer, but mostly band. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Eli, we're kind of the same. Hey, man, I'm cool now. Uh, anyway, uh, but the point was, I carried my Bible around all over the place. But there were so many seasons in life that I never once opened it unless I was at my student ministry service or like I was at church or something like that. I never once on my own opened the Bible and did anything with it. And my faith, my relationship with Jesus remained flat. Didn't do anything. Because I never opened the Bible. I carried it around. I looked like I was like, I had it all together and I could like say the Jesus words because I would sometimes stay awake for sermons and stuff. But like the leaven never has the reaction in the bread that it's supposed to, or the dough that it's supposed to until you put it in there. 
the Bible will never, your life will never be what it's supposed to be until you've taken the word of God in and you've applied it to your life. Again, this is not like an immediate reaction thing. This is a day in, day out, consistent thing. So I, a few years ago, um, decided to start running again because I played soccer for a long time. And then I, when I quit soccer, I just quit running because uh, if you're not playing a sport, then what's the point in running? And, uh, and so I started running again and uh, I was really bad and slow because uh, I'm huge. And uh, I'm actually not as big now as I was then. So that tells you anything. Anyway, so I started running and at first it was like terrible. It was real bad. But eventually I got, I got to where like I did a half marathon and didn't die. It was great. I didn't even throw up. So that's a big win. That's a big win. But uh, thanks. Thanks. Right? right? Cool. But in that season, when I, was, when I was doing like the half marathon running and stuff, which no one should ever do, it's real terrible, um, I could run a 5K, like, no problem. Like, when I finished a 5K, I was like, cool, that's like a light run day. Um, but when I moved to Huntsville, because I'm I got old, I turned 30 by the time that I moved to Huntsville, and like I had like a back thing, and so I kind of stopped running. I also didn't have a running partner anymore, because he still lives in Texas, because he's lame. And, uh, and so I stopped running, and uh, I've tried to get back into a little bit here and there. I can still run a 5K, like every year, I still run the Galaxy Alights, but here's the difference. When I was like training for half marathons and stuff, when I would run <clears throat> a 5K, I'd get to the end of it, and I'd be like, cool, I'd drink some water, and like I'd go on about my day. Now... When I run the Galaxy of Lights, every time I get to the finish line, I'm throwing up, right? Like, it's like I get halfway through that thing, and I'm like, oh, this is the worst, right? Like, I'm, like, dying. I'm, like, over here, like, why am I doing this? And there's, like, the guy who's, like, really in shape running about, like, why is this fat guy crying? Like, and I'm over here, like, oh, God, I hate this. Why am I doing this, right? And so it's, like, this pride thing that I still like to say that I can run 5Ks, and so I still do. But I don't train for them, and it's terrible. It's really terrible. You see, to, to actually get to where that isn't terrible and doesn't make me want to hate my life every time I do that, I have to actually put in the work. I actually have to train. I actually have to run more than once a year. <laughs> um, you, just, you just do. The same with whatever extracurricular thing you do. Whatever, whatever you do in your life, sports, band, whatever it is, like you have to put in the work to get to the level you are even now, right? You've been to practices, you like put in the work, unless you're in off season, then you, you know, forget it all or whatever. But like to be where you are, I mean, you kind of get it, right? Like everybody does something where you have to do something to get good. Like even in video games, like you have to like play the game. You have to actually put in the time. You have to put in the effort to be good at that thing. You don't have incredible, strong, world-impacting faith and following Jesus unless you've put in the time, unless you've taken the time to study the word and allow it to change your life. And I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about like working your way to pleasing God and getting the gold star or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about checking off a list. This is still all about relationship with Jesus. But when you care more about what Jesus has to say than what the people around you say, then you'll do this. See, the Christian life was never meant to be hard, but it's meant to be consistent and daily. It's often hard for us because we don't do that. It's often hard for me because I'm not doing it daily. I'm not every day 
waking up and going, all right, Jesus, what opportunities do I have to show your love to the world around me today? I just, I don't wake up that, that way as much as I should, unfortunately. But the more you put the time in, the more you figure out who Jesus is through his word, the more the word of God will be the change agent in your life to allow your life to have real purpose, to have real meaning that matters in this world. You see, what doesn't look like much to the world in the hands of God can do incredible things. So maybe you don't look like much to the world, to the people around you, but if you allow yourself to follow Jesus and allow his word to impact your life, God can do incredible things in your school, on your sports team, and band, whatever it is you do, God can use you. He used 12 normal guys, half of them fishermen, right, who were not highly educated, they are just fishermen, to literally change the world, and he can do the same through you guys. Consistently, daily, trying to strive hard after him.